Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Ghoulie Things. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghoulie Things, the quarantine spooky story special, episode 62. And we are your beautiful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. So, welcome back to Just Ghoulie Things. For those that are new to the podcast, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Lily. That's Lily over there. And you guys can't see it, but she has a bun that's an effortless looking bun that somewhat <laughs> resembles the poop emoji. But it's very cute, very chic. I'm here for it. Quarantine Trends 2020. And our job is every day of quarantine is to read you scary encounters that we find online. So I read five, Lily reads five. We laugh, we cry, we vent. We talk about whatever we feel like it because it's our fucking podcast and you enjoy it. So, uh, let's just get right into the story, shall we? We shall. Let's do it. All right. This one is called The Broken French Press. This happened a couple weeks ago, but neither my boyfriend nor I can stop thinking about it. We've had some strange things happen in our apartment over the past few months, but nothing that we couldn't explain away as possibly within the realm of normal, like stuff going missing then reappearing, noises that kind of sound like the house settling, kind of not, flickering lights, etc. This one night, though, something seemed to happen that didn't seem to have an explanation. It was around 2 a.m. I was asleep in bed along with my cat, and my boyfriend was in the living room where he had fallen asleep watching TV. The TV wasn't making noise. It was timed out on Netflix saying, are you still watching? I woke up to a loud pop coming from the living room kitchen. It's one of those open floor plan spaces. Then I heard my boyfriend call for me. He was terrified. The sound woke him up too. He said he heard this buzz crackle in the air leading up to the popping sound, almost like the sound a firework makes before it explodes. We both thought the pop sounded like a cap gun going off and it was about as loud. We looked around for things that may have fallen, etc., that could have accounted for the sound, but couldn't find anything. It shook us up, and we couldn't get back to sleep for a long while. The next day, my boyfriend was in the kitchen, and we noticed that our French press was broken, but still sitting upright in the metal stand. The bottom half was still intact, but the top half was shattered. We haven't used it in at least a month, and it was sitting in the far back corner of the counter. We can't help but conclude that the sound we heard the night before was the French press breaking. We couldn't find any objects in or around it that might have hit it somehow. Even if something did, though, we couldn't fathom how or why something would end up flying across the kitchen and hitting or breaking the French press while both humans and the cat were asleep. What happened? The end. I'm looking at, because at first I was like, what the fuck is a French press? Um, But I guess it's like some sort of coffee maker. Yeah. Um... Yeah, there's nothing too complex about this thing that if no one was near it, why it would just randomly break and parts flying. What did it say? That parts were flying across the room or there were parts? Yeah, they they heard, um, and they said it sounded like leading up to like when a firework goes off. So like kind of crackling and popping a little bit. So that makes no sense because it's not um, like it's not like they were just brewing up some coffee that maybe it got so hot that the glass broke or it, exactly. Would be like no it's been reason. a month since they used this French press. Weird. Yeah. So I think that there's a ghost in there that doesn't like coffee. It's a tea person. <laughs> team tea and team coffee. We've said this before on the show. There definitely is a divide. Like, you either are a coffee person or a tea person. There's no in-between. Yeah. Okay. My next story is... Let's see which one I'm going to do. 
I'll do this one to start off with. I saw my daughter's guardian angel. Every time I think about this, I cry. It was so real, I've only told my best friend. One afternoon, when my daughter was little, around two or three, we decided to take a nap. Nothing unusual about it, just snuggling and relaxing. I was asleep when suddenly I, quote, unquote, woke up on some spiritual level. I looked towards the foot of the bed, and there was the most beautiful, peaceful angel just crouched, looking at us. I didn't actually speak, but I got the idea I was to join them. I got up and made my way and crouched as well. I glanced back at the bed, and I see myself still asleep cuddling my child. Again, I got this message, without words, basically stating that the angel will always look after her. We stood a few more moments, and I returned to bed. I woke up with tears streaming down my face. It was so real that I have never forgotten it. I can't even really speak of it without becoming totally overwhelmed with emotion. To this day, I still believe I saw her guardian angel, and she was reassuring me, as a single mom, that my daughter was not alone in this world. The end. Aww, that's sweet. I'm not an emotional person when it comes to stories, but that story just, it you could feel how passionate this person was about this experience. Yeah, I had little tiny little bitty goosebumps, which I don't get easily. Yeah, and it's this is just validation that there is something beyond just us mm-hmm. that is here in this present world. And there are so many instances where I've like where I think, you know, for both of us there may have been experiences that you just sense someone's there and you don't really know how to put your finger on it. And it's not that you necessarily feel like you're being stalked or anything you just feel like there's someone there and it's more reassuring or like you're just indifferent to it you're like okay like it's just kind of like they're meant to be there for you yeah um and i do genuinely believe that we all have guardian angels it could either be a single guardian angel or a couple guardian angels and Mm -hmm. depending on if you go to a psychic or medium sometimes depending on how legitimate they are they can tell you the name of them or it could be a past loved one. It could be a random angel that was assigned to you. You never know. Um, it seems like this angel was someone that they didn't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just a sweet story. It's nice to know that there's always someone looking after you. Yeah, I love that. I love the concept of guardian angels. Me too. My guardian angels are probably like, well, I don't have to worry about this bitch right now because she's just stuck in the house the whole time. But, (laughs) oh, God, my, my, like, late high school, early college years, they were probably like, I probably gave my (laughs) guardian angels gray fucking hairs. Like, this fucking bitch. I can't with her. I can't. God, you're testing me. But, uh, yeah. The Lord is testing me. (laughs) I need to get paid overtime for this shit. (laughs) Is this worth Uh, a pension? Could you imagine if they're like, oh, we got new subjects today for us to follow, and the other guardian angels are like, oh, who'd you get? They're like, some girl named Rebecca, and they're like, oh, no, not Rebecca. We passed her up. She's in trouble. Bitch, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lily, what's your next story? Okay. It's called, There's This Road by My House, dot, dot, dot. So there's this road a little further from my house. My house is in a very open area with only a few other houses around. This road is empty. You would would see absolutely nothing around it. It's in Pakistan. This road is by the ocean, a part of the ocean no one ever visits. I remember this one time all of my younger cousins came over and we all decided to go to a restaurant that was halfway by the ocean. It had great food and was one of our favorite places. It was a little after 10 p.m. and we all went. We had fun. We ate, took pictures and whatnot. But then, while coming back over to our house, we had to cross that road. Now, we heard about this road, but we never got to know its history. 
Me and my sister started scaring everyone and putting scary sounds on the car Bluetooth. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's some shit I would do, honestly. Facts. Now, my mom got scared easily, so we stopped it. My mom was driving. And suddenly, all our locks started opening and closing. It kept happening, and my mom was freaking out. We just told her to drive by faster. It was around 1 a.m., and at that time, there was no other cars around. We kept telling her to just keep going faster. We were all freaked out to our core, and by the end of that road, we saw this woman standing by the side pathway. Didn't really tell our mom, since we didn't need to freak her out anymore. After that, we reached home, and we talked about it, trying to figure out the history of that place. To this day, all of them blame this on me and my sister for provoking the ghost. Now it's just become a joke between all of us, and we don't really bother with it anymore. So yeah, the end. Unless you are a professional paranormal investigator, do not provoke ghosts. Never. Never. If you do not know what plan B is after plan A of provoking a ghost and it actually is provoked, <laughs> don't do anything. <laughs> like, but that way, I mean, to be fair, I say that now, but I think before we did this podcast and we we didn't know as much about the paranormal, if I were in, if I were sensing something weird was going on or I wanted to see if there was ghosts and I was provoking the ghost, um, I definitely wouldn't have a plan for, like, if it actually did something. Like, I would just True. be like, oh, shit, okay, didn't think that one through. Uh, someone help? And then my guardian's angels have to come and be like, see this fucking bitch? Like, I can't even take a day off. This is my day off, and I can't even relax because this girl has to provoke a spirit, and now I have to save her ass. Great. Way to go, Rebecca. <laughs> All right. Um, that, this is going to be my second story, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm losing track. All right, I'll do this one. My roommate's doppelganger. Doppelganger? Doppelganger. Hello, everyone. This experience occurred in February of this year, so my memory is pretty clear in regards to detail. This past year was my senior year of college, and I was thrilled to be living with an alumni of my sorority who I was very close with. We'll call her Abby for clarity's sake. Abby and I weren't actually supposed to live in the apartment we ended up in. We were originally going to be living in a townhouse with two other girls, but they started so much drama a month before we were supposed to move in that we had, our con- we had to contact our landlord to find a different place within their company to live. Thankfully, we found a two-bedroom, one-bathroom basement apartment in a quiet area off campus. The first month was fine and without incident, but as the days went by, some strange things began to happen in the apartment. One morning, Abby woke up to a kitchen cabinet open. She wasn't that concerned about it and figured that I had just forgotten to shut it the night before. The next morning, a different cabinet was open, and once again, she shrugged it off. However, I went home one weekend, and she woke up to find every cabinet in the kitchen wide open and the sink running. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely not her forgetting. Needless to say, Abby was scared and spent the night at her boyfriend's. Two weeks later, we were watching TV and heard the bathroom door close. I tried to calm Abby down by saying that the fan we kept in the bathroom blew it closed. However, when we went to the bed, we thought we could hear someone walking around in our living room. There's no way someone broke into our apartment and hid the whole day only to come out at night and screw around with us. I was home the whole day and Abby was home from 11 in the mornings and on. The incident took place. That incident took place shortly before Christmas break, and all was calm in the apartment until February. 
It was like the spirits went on Christmas break. So <laughs> Abby had gone home for the weekend, and I was home alone, relaxing on the couch and doing homework. It was pretty late at night, so I turned on the TV for background noise and curled up on the couch to sleep. I woke up at 2.30 in the morning to see Abby walking through the front door, smiling but not saying anything. I blinked, still groggy from sleep, and asked if she was okay. She just looked at me and proceeded to take off her shoes and walk into the kitchen. Something about her didn't seem right. Like, this girl looked like Abby and walked like her, but it wasn't her. I asked her again if she was okay because it was so early in the morning for her to be coming home. Abby looked at me, smiled, and began washing something in the sink. Something inside me felt a profound sense of dread, like I was in actual danger and I needed to get away. As quickly as possible, I went to my room and locked my door. My roommate followed me because I heard someone tapping their finger against the door. Once, twice, Three times, four times, five times, it wouldn't stop. I didn't say another word because it felt like if I did acknowledge her, it gave her more strength. I know that doesn't make much sense, but that was my instinct. I curled up beneath my blankets and stared at my bedroom door, almost waiting for her to kick it in. My eyes felt heavy, and the tapping was almost like a metronome enticing me to sleep. As I drifted back to sleep, the tap seemed to slow down to a trickle. The morning after, I was exhausted. I felt like I had taken 20 Advil PM to help me sleep, but I remembered everything that had happened that night. Cautiously, I left my room and saw that Abby's bed hadn't been disturbed or slept in. I went to the living room and her shoes and purse weren't there. A cold feeling crept into my spine as I sent her a text asking if she had come home that night. She responded that no, she hadn't and wouldn't be coming home for another two days. But I checked the sink and the bowl that Abby had been washing had been cleaned and put away. I firmly believe I was not dreaming or hallucinating, and I know this wasn't some elaborate prank by Abby because she would never do something like that. I firmly believe something took the shape of Abby that night and that its intentions were not good. There were a few other experiences in that apartment, but nothing so dramatic as what I went through that night. I'm sorry if this post isn't very exciting or dramatic, but I thought it was worth sharing to get everyone's thoughts on it. Was this a doppelganger? Yes, it was. It was a doppelganger. Doppelganger. Uh, and I, I love this person, I'm sorry, was saying, like, I'm sorry if this post isn't exciting or dramatic. Are you kidding me? I was, like, shitting my pants reading this story. <laughs> yeah, I was getting, like, kind of uneasy. Yeah. But, um, no, especially, and the reason that you know this isn't a prank, because if someone was pulling a prank, they would talk to you. Oh, definitely. You know what I mean? Doppelgangers seem to never actually talk. Like, you'll hear the voice from a different room and then see them, but they never speak to you. They just walk by you and make noises, but they don't talk. I wonder what would happen if she, like, tried to reach out and, like, physically touch this Abby doppelganger. Like, What would happen if she had opened the door that the doppelganger was tapping on? Oh, again, <laughs> things that we should, maybe things that we want to know, but probably shouldn't know. Yeah, true. But you never hear, you never hear stories of people actually physically touching these doppelgangers. Like, what happens? Like, do they take hosts of your body then? Or, Ooh, like, do they turn into you? Mm-hmm. I'm saying, I don't know. But, yeah, creepy story. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Spooky, kooky, ooky. Oh, we haven't used that term in a while. It's been a while since we... It's been a, quite a minute since we said spooky kooky Quite a quick minute. Okay. This one is called Something Talked to Me. I tend to lean more on the skeptical side of things, but there are a few things that have happened to me that I just can't explain. This is one of those things. It happened last summer during an impromptu trip to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I've been to Gettysburg a few times, and I'm fairly confident that there's things there. 
The town just feels like Halloween all the time, even in the July heat. It's weird, though. It doesn't feel haunted in the sense of Civil War ghosts from the battle that occurred. Instead, I feel like people, namely travelers and tourists, brought entities over with Ouija boards and the like. That's the feeling I get. Anyways, on to the story. On the way home from an impromptu trip with my friends, we decided to go a bit out of the way and stop at Gettysburg. While there, we came across a paranormal museum boasting numerous paranormal artifacts. I figured why not and bought a ticket and prepared for the tour with an open mind. I was expecting nothing to happen. Maybe I feel cold hands on my neck or see shadowy figures, but this was different. The museum had four or so different rooms, all with supposedly haunted objects on display. My experience occurred in the first room. To the best of my memory, the room had a desk on the back wall facing the door with a typewriter. Next to the door was a toy chest. On the wall to the left of the door was a photograph of a woman. As soon as I walked into the room, I was fixated on her. It was weird. I still cannot really explain it. I was just staring uh, at this portrait as the tour guide kept giving information about each of the objects. I tried to pay attention to the guide, but I kept getting lost in the picture. The feeling was weird, like everything slowly became tuned out. The tour guide and all the people around me became white noise. The only thing in the room was the picture. As the guide's spiel got longer and closer to the picture, the feeling became more intense, but it was met with something else now. I heard a name in my head. It was my voice, but it just kept repeating a woman's name. I don't remember the name. I forgot it as soon as I left the museum, which was weird, but it was an older-sounding woman's name, like Elizabeth or Isabel or something. I cannot remember for the life of me. But when the tour guide finally got to the picture, the talking and weird zoning out sensations stopped. I heard the guide explain that they found this picture in an antique shop, and after doing EMF readings and other tests, they thought it was haunted. One thing stuck with me, though. The guide specifically said they didn't know who the woman was. That's when it started again. The name started coming to me in almost a faint whisper, but quickly grew to shouting. I can't explain the feeling well, but it felt like the name was throwing itself at my skull, like it wanted me to scream it. As soon as I left the room, the feeling stopped. At the end of the tour, I gave the name to the guide and told her what happened. She said she'd look into it next time they use an EVP or spirit box. I haven't been near Gettysburg since, so I have no idea if something came from it. But I truly think that whoever was in that picture told me their name that day. Usually I would chalk it up to me subconsciously making up a story to go with a creepy picture, but I've never experienced anything like that before. The tuning out and crystal clear shouting. I have no clue if anyone else has ever experienced anything similar. The end. Ooh. How spooky is that? I've been to Gettysburg when I was little. Was mm-hmm. I? Wait, was it Gettysburg or was it? Wait, I think I was. Okay, I think I, yes. I think I was at Gettysburg because I'm also thinking I was also at Williamsburg too. All these bergs are spooky, <laughs> kooky, ooky. Um, but just there's so much history behind there. Yeah. And I can only imagine just the energy behind the artifacts and these photographs, residual hauntings, intelligent hauntings, someone, like, so much dark history in those places that someone's just dying to, like, let their, let their truth be known and, like, talk mm-hmm. to somebody that's sensitive enough. So I can, I would love to, I would love to go back down there now that I'm older and I'm more appreciative of the paranormal and, like, history and see if mm-hmm. I experience anything of my own. What that do you think so of the cool. experience? Um, I mean, imagine, just imagine not even having your brain to yourself. 
that's scary. You know, that's scary enough. And then knowing and having that feeling and having hearing the voice shouting at you, your own voice shouting a name at you that you don't like know or understand the origin of, like that's spooky. Mm-hmm. That is peak spooky kooky oogie right there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, I mean, I think I'd be. I'd leave the room as soon as I started hearing the voice. So kudos to the person who wrote this for sticking that out. But at the same time, it seems like they might have been kind of frozen and almost frozen in time. Like they couldn't do anything about it. Like they had no control over their body in general. Yeah. Which looking back is probably such a scary concept that you lose control of like all of your motor ability and like being able to do anything for yourself because a spirit has taken over you in a sense. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. So my next story is titled, I just got home from a motorcycle trip. Something happened that shook me up. Due to the quarantine, my dad and I wanted to get out of the house and get the bikes rolling for a couple days. Last Thursday, we locked up the house, packed the saddlebags, fired up the bikes, him on a 58 panhead, and me on a Triumph Bonville, if anyone's interested. No idea what that means, but if you're into motorcycles, (laughs) there you go. And rode up the Blue Ridge Parkway to the to the Nantahala National Forest. Since all the state park campgrounds are closed, we set up the tents in a little private campground by the river in a fairly remote place. Railroad tracks cut a path through the woods and stretched into the distance. We passed the nearest town hours ago. That night, after the fire was embers and my dad had retired, I was sitting by myself texting some friends. My phone was running out of juice, and I wanted to give my boyfriend a call before it died. So I walked to the other side of the clearing, staring into the darkness of the tree line. It was then that I began to feel a sense of unease, like I was being watched through the trees. I sat on a stump by the tracks and glanced down the rails, catching a dark silhouette against the starry night sky and the moon reflecting off the slick tracks. I squinted, thinking it was just the trees playing tricks on me. But then it moved. That's when the dread hit me, like when you're hiking through the woods and spot a grizzly bear ambling across the trail. It was a distinctly humanoid figure with a thin torso and spindly limbs. No discernible facial features. It was about 30 yards away, crossing the tracks away from me. I stumbled back and fell on my ass. When I got back up, it was gone. I went back to the tent shortly after that and didn't sleep at all. It may have been some sort of dream or hallucination or mirage, but I definitely believe I saw something. The end. The woods are haunted. There's a never, yeah, there definitely has to be something going on in that woods. It kind of reminds me of like a Slender Man sort of thing, right? Yes. What if it was Slender Man, though? Well, okay, do you, do you remember there was that story of those two little girls that tried to kill their friend mm-hmm. because of Slender Man? That yeah. kind of reminded me of that story. Just, you know, <laughs> just thinking of Slender Man, how influential it is like not that i i don't know if i necessarily believe there's like actually a slender man yeah like that's his name or whatever but i do believe that these stories do derive from some sort of truth right there has to be some sort of truth to it so like like a, like a little like a little egg that's laid yeah of a, a real event that yeah inspires it. like a humanoid figure that looks like that is in the woods like there mm-hmm. definitely has to be something like that that's real I don't know what its intentions are, but there definitely is more than one out there. Yeah, for sure. Creepy. Creepy experience. All right, my turn? Mm-hmm. Okay. This one is called Experiences Growing Up in a, quote, haunted home. 
Hello, everyone. I've been quite bored. Thanks, quarantine. <laughs> and I decided I would share some experience from growing up and recently. The house I grew up in had a spirit of some kind residing in it, and I thought it would be fun to reminisce on my past experiences. I'll go in chronological order. So there are a total of, let's see, five experiences here. So experience one. My grandpa lived in the house before my parents and I and died in the house. We moved into the home, which is quite old, a few months after he passed. I was around five years old at the time. I have a very clear memory of walking into my kitchen and my deceased grandpa pouring me a glass of soda with a wink and a don't tell your mom. Oh. Now, I would think that this was just a memory I still had with my grandpa um, while he was still alive, but I remember walking into the kitchen with a glass of soda and the look of shock on my mom's face. She kept it in a place where I couldn't possibly reach it and turned pale white when I informed her that Grandpa had given it to me. Aww. I like the wink detail. Yeah. That's cute. All right. Experience two. This one is probably the only scary experience I've ever had in the home, and I actually don't believe it was the spirit that normally was in the home um, because of the uncharacteristic violence it displayed. Around this Around the time this occurred, my older brother started a goth phase, was extremely interested in Satanists, and brought a Ouija board into our home. I was probably around 10 or 11 at the time this occurred. I was sitting in my room playing my Nintendo DS when I got the distinct feeling that I was being watched. I felt drawn to this particular corner of the room for some reason and felt almost like I was in a trance-like state. Suddenly, behind me, I felt something that appeared to be quite large, breathing its hot breath on me. I immediately turned to leave my room and broke into a, and broke into a run as soon as I hit the stairs. I heard this loud screech that was unlike any other sound I've ever heard, followed by a loud crash. My dad was downstairs in the living room and hadn't heard a thing. I couldn't fall asleep in my room for weeks after that, and I firmly believe that this encounter was with a demon. Experience three. Probably a year or so following this incident, I had another encounter with a spirit. At this point in time, my fraternal grandfather had moved in with us due to health difficulties. A friend of mine was spending the night, and we were on the bed chatting, waiting for my grandfather to go to sleep in the bedroom across from mine so we could go to the living room and watch TV. At the angle my bed was at, you could see the wall by the stairs, but not the stairs themselves. We heard heavy, obvious footsteps climb the staircase and saw someone's shadow move along the wall. When whoever it was reached the top of the stairs, it appeared to stop and look in the direction of my room for a brief moment. Then it continued on into the bedroom across the hall with my friend and I both hearing the door open and shut. Of course, we assumed it was my grandfather at this point, so we walked downstairs to watch some South Park. We stopped dead in our tracks when we saw my grandfather sitting in a chair watching the news. My parents had already gone to bed, and no one ever came back out of the bedroom. So either someone had broken into our house and hid in my grandfather's closet all night, or my friend and I encountered something else that night. Shortly after this, my mom had a priest come and bless the house after my friend and I told her about the experience, just to be safe, in addition to installing a security system. Experience four. I'm in my 20s now and no longer live at home, but even in my adult years, I've had a few experiences, although none are particularly frightening. The most frequent occurrence being when I am sometimes sitting home alone in the living room, I'll hear the kitchen door open clear as day and hear footsteps going up the stairs. Of course, every time I go to investigate, nothing is over there. I also hear whispering coming from my brother's old room from time to time, as do my parents. 
I actually found out somewhat recently that they would hear things they could explain sometimes in the, they they could explain sometimes in the home, whispering, footsteps, etc., but never mentioned it to me as a child, so I could so I wouldn't be scared. And experience five. My most recent encounter happened a couple of weeks ago, and I think it is really cute personally. I was in the kitchen making one of those whipped coffees and had my hair up in a high ponytail. While I was using the very loud hand mixer, I felt someone come behind me and kind of playfully slap my ponytail. I turned around thinking it was my mom, but there was no one there. Ironically, this was the exact same spot where nearly 15 years ago my grandpa had poured me that soda. On this particular day, I had been working on this very stressful essay that would determine where or if I'll get into a graduate program. I like to think that it was just my grandpa letting me know that he was around and that it'll be okay. While I did have a scary experience once in the home, I don't believe it is the same entity that I've encountered on other occasions. Unfortunately, I think at one time my idiot brother had probably invited a not-so-kind spirit into the home. However, I think all of my other experiences were with my grandpa or a deceased owner who was just hanging around. The end. The ending couldn't have summed it up better myself. Yeah. of what I believe is going on. And I think that the owner or whoever the spirit was that was there besides the grandparent is kind of there as a protector, not only of the house, but the people that are residing in it because it seems like they are respecting the property and that they're mm-hmm. he's not upset about it. But clearly maybe the brother did invite something, not really knowing what his actions were resulting in. And that's why they had that one-off experience of something evil. But clearly, it went away after a while. And it could have been with the help of these, you know, of these guardians, the of, the, yeah. of the, the spirits there. But I think those are really, really cool stories. I love it. I love the little wink, I don't know. tell your mom story. That's my favorite. That's such like a grandfather, fatherly thing from... It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like, you know, sport, wink. <laughs> yes, exactly. So picture perfect, like a, like a, something from a movie that makes you start to cry, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a cute one. Okay, my next story is titled, Don't Whistle at the Northern Lights. So in regards to the subject, I thought I would share about the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis. I grew up and lived in Manitoba, Canada, along the prairies, and my family is from northern Manitoba. During the tenure of my childhood, we were told not to whistle at night. You can call spirits, they'd say, especially if you were out late and the northern lights were present. So this is due to the belief that when you whistle, two things can happen. One, they'll dance for you in different arrays of movement and fashion, and two, they will come down and take you away. (laughs) Zero to 100, real quick. (laughs) So these beliefs stem from the notion that the Northern Lights consist of the spirits of our ancestors and those that have passed on. If you whistle at them, it's almost as though you're inviting, giving them permission to take you to the spirit world, which ultimately means death. So my cousins and I used to do this when we were younger, 9 to 11, and every single time they would look like they were coming closer, every single time we'd run inside and tell our parents, and every single time we'd get in shit. (laughs) (laughs) Though nothing happened to us during those times, I've heard many stories and dialogues over the years from our family members and or friends on their experiences with the Northern Lights. Each story and experience is nearly the same despite people not knowing one another or living in the same areas. Some live up north, some live in the south, etc. So according to their accounts, 
these things happen. When the northern lights come down, there's often a whistling sound that accompanies them. One of my cousins said it's similar to taking a glass cup and wetting your finger and then running it over the top in a continuous circular motion, the whistling sound. The other thing that occurs is they'll start changing different colors, colors they don't normally take form in. They've said they turn pink, red, yellow, orange, etc., rather than the standard neon green you see in photos. They will also form in a circle above you as low as the street lamps, one of my Sundance sisters said, as they make their way down. And finally, they smell sulfuric. One of my friends recalled a girl who used to whistle to them all night all the time in his community. One particular time she did this, he said it smelled like sulfur all night. In parting, it's often said in order to steer them away, if they start coming down, you can clap your hands loudly, and this apparently scares them and causes them to go back up. You can also whisper things you want to say to those who have passed on, family members, friends, when they're around, but don't talk or yell. Ooh. And that is the story or um, experiences of the Northern Lights. That makes me want to go whistle at the Northern Lights like a dumbass. (laughs) Well, they say that you can whistle to those that have passed on, kind of just like letting them know that you're there, thinking of them. Um, But yeah, don't talk normally or yell at them, which we're from Jersey, so our whisper is yelling. So I think we're kind of fucked. Um, (laughs) But yeah, this makes me want to go up there and just experience the Northern Lights. I always thought they were so beautiful and always wanted to see them in person. Um, but yeah, I never knew that there was, a, there was a connection to the spirit world with the Northern Lights until I read I this. I had no idea. If you guys have any experience with the Northern Lights or have more information in regards to the spirit world being connected to the Northern Lights, email us at justbelievingspodcast at gmail.com. All right, Lily, what's your last story? My last story is called A Few Experiences Looking for Feedback. So I'm going to read these three experiences and then we will give our feedback. I'm ready. All right. I have had several experiences over the years that make me wonder if they are paranormal in the sense of people in the sense of people who have passed on trying to communicate with me. Story one. Many times over the years, I have driven on the highway at night and street lights, which are on, will go off just before I go under them. Always the same lights and different times at night. Initially, I ignored it and it happened often enough that I wonder what is going on. Hasn't happened over the past few years. Story two. My mother had an identical twin who died about 22 years before my mother at the age of 68. My mother died at age 90. A month or two after my mother died, two snowy owls landed in my yard. One sat in a tree branch and the other on the ground. They both stared at me for two to three minutes and flew off. I have never seen a snowy owl in my town, much less in my yard, other than that one time. I've lived in my house for 49 years. Wow. And three. Yeah, right? My son-in-law died of pancreatic cancer two and a half years ago. He was a great son-in-law, and my daughter and children miss him a lot. About six months after he died, I was mowing my lawn, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw something drifting down from the sky. I turned, and it was a seagull feather spiraling down. It landed two feet away from me. Not exactly front page news, but what are the odds that the seagull would lose his feather at that time and I would be mowing the lawn at that time? Last is that same season I was mowing the lawn and found a red hawk feather. Red hawks are not uncommon, and I suppose it could just be a normal thing. But I started reading on spirit feathers and their meaning. Any comments, insight are appreciated. I'm somewhat skeptic, but totally open-minded. 
I want these experiences to be the real deal, but I'm not afraid of them not being so. I think that, you know, those situations could also be coincidental, but Mm -hmm. I also believe that things happen for you for a reason. And like, Mm -hmm. they're kind of just like little breadcrumbs that are placed there just to let you know that they are making themselves known. And while it could be a coincidental thing that happened, it could also be coincidental because the spirits made that happen. That's exactly my thought. Um, yeah, I definitely believe that things happen for a reason. And if you get that gut feeling that that is a message that's supposed to be for you, I think that you should follow that gut and that instinct. We talk about that a lot during the quarantine spooky story special episodes mm-hmm. that, um, that gut feeling that you get um, to do or to not do something, always follow that because usually your gut's always right. Absolutely. I love the story of the two snow owls. That's so beautiful. I've never heard of snow owls being a sign from the spirit world, but I guess mm-hmm. kind of who, like who you were as a person on this in this world, maybe there's some sort of symbolism with that certain animal, and that's why they come in different forms. Like any animal really could be... Um, a message from your loved one why can't it be snow owls so yeah i've never i don't think i've maybe actually i think i've seen an owl like in the wilderness like once at my parents house but i don't think really in new jersey you see a lot of owls i hear them yeah you hear them you don't see them they are stealthy they are I, yeah i saw an owl once and they are big they can be scary as fuck well, you know they have, like, full-size legs underneath their stomach, right? Like, have you ever seen, like, an owl's legs? I need to like, look this up. Like, it looks like they're just a, it looks like they're just a torso with feet on the bottom, but mm. they've actually got legs. Look owl, owl legs. Owl legs, okay. Oh, my God, they're, like, literal, like, chicken legs. Yup. <gasps> yup. That's actually kind of scary. It's terrifying. <laughs> Okay, first of all, this owl's leg shape is nicer than my legs will ever look, so I'm kind of mad. (laughs) Um, But, okay, yeah. That's kind of really creepy. And then this one? Do you see those little legs? Like, they're, like, thick, too. Like, he's thick with a Q. Oh, my God. He's going to fly and run at the same time. That's terrifying. Oh, God, yeah. Owls are cute. But they're also scary, and this just proved my point. Okay, I'm just going to be looking at owl legs all day, so if you guys don't hear from me, I'm just staring at owl legs. Okay, Um, so my last story is titled, Almost Every Kid in My Hometown is Haunted by the Same Two Spirits. For reference, I am now 20 years old and my younger sister is 16. We grew up in a small town in the western part of Maryland. I know now that the entire town is most likely on a ley line, but I don't count that to be 100% true. What I do know for sure is that the town we grew up in was very, very weird to say the least. Up until the age of 8, we lived in one house a few streets over from where my parents live now. I don't remember much from this house other than sometimes seeing a large shadow cross doorways. As a kid, I, always, I also had an imaginary friend named Sarah. Sarah was blonde with green eyes and a white and blue Victorian dress and couldn't have been older than 11 years old. When we moved into the new house, things started getting progressively worse. Other than the fact that our new house was haunted by several spirits and had a demon in the basement, more on that in another post, I started <laughs> seeing a shadowy figure following me more and more, and I dubbed him Top Hat Man. Top Hat Man. Top Hat Man. Ah, oh, okay. He Wait, ne- you just said a blue and white dress. 
Yeah, like kind of like gave like a bluish white hue. Ooh, yeah. Um, so he never did anything other than followed and watched, yet he terrified me. I can still picture him in my head to this day in the corner of my bedroom. But whenever I saw the spirit, Sarah was sure to follow and he would leave as soon as she appeared. It got to its worst around sixth grade. And the last time I remember seeing both apparitions, I was doing homework in the dining room and the top hat man was watching me from across the living room. Sarah, acting almost as a guard dog, was sitting at the end of the couch, a barrier between me and the evil spirit. But this time, he did do something. He opened his eyes. Dark red eyes stared at me as he started to silently jolt to where I was. But Sarah stood up, put her hand up, and when they touched, poof, they were both gone. That was the end of it for me. But a few years later, I walked into my sister's room, and she looked terrified. At the time, I was 15, and she was 11. I eventually got the truth out of her, and she explained how she kept seeing a shadowy man in a top hat and a little girl she called Sarah. For months, <laughs> for months, she would come up to me in my room, the kitchen, even at my grandmother's ones, crying, saying he was watching her. Around that time, we also got our house blessed due to a demonic activity in the house, and she never brought it up again after that. I don't know if it happened, if it happened to help or not, but I think we're both too scared to bring it up. I really wish that was the end, but among many friend groups in high school and middle school, at sleepovers, hangouts, and lunches, I've had opportunities to share ghost stories, as moody teens do, <laughs> and my <laughs> sister and I aren't the only ones with the same experience. A total of 10 other kids at my age had the same exact experience happen to them. A tall shadow figure in a top hat and a blonde mm-hmm. little girl named Sarah. Everything saying the same, everyone's saying the same thing. They stopped seeing them around 11 or 12 years old. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why. It's truly unexplainable. How are all these kids seeing the exact same thing? Why is it happening in my town? Does it happen elsewhere too? If someone, anyone has answers, please help. Wow. So the town has kind of got these two residential haunts. Yeah, but it's like... It's like they're residual, but they're also intelligent because it seems like they are making themselves known. Like they do recognize that there are people there. And yeah. the girl seems to be protecting the children from this older spirit. So I wonder if it is like the hat man. Like the hat man. Like a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, that's why I, I immediately thought it was the hat man myself. I mean, she yeah. just calls it top hat man, but. Yeah, but same, same thing. So. Okay, um, so this is interesting. So then someone put um, in one of the comments, um, wait, let's see. They go, it was kind of makes sense. MK Ultra, some fucked up pre-programming brainwashing on a larger scale. Ooh. Which isn't the craziest thing I've heard. And then, and then someone goes, I've searched up Hatman and Sarah, and I found a girl named Sarah with the last name Hatman, who also was alive during 1940. So maybe the reason Elizabeth doesn't trust Sarah is because Hatman and Sarah are the same entities, and maybe the entity tries to gain your trust, but Elizabeth knows. Ooh. So I don't, I mean, there's so many. There's so much room for interpretation with it, you know? Uh-huh. And then someone else goes, I'm really freaked out right now because I had an imaginary friend named Sally with blonde hair and green eyes that liked Winnie the Pooh and the beach, but I never saw her. I saw Hatman and other shadow people until I was 15. I'm from Maryland too, just not Western Maryland. I'm the only person who ever saw shadow people out of my friends in real life. I've also had demonic experiences from messing with the Ouija board, of course. I don't know, I don't know how exactly this relates to your town, but we have way too many similarities to be a coincidence, right? 
So, huh, there's some stuff going on in Maryland. Some spooky, kooky, ooky stuff. Spooky, kooky, ooky. So, yeah, that concludes this episode of Just Ghouly Things, the Quarantine Spooky Story Special, episode 62. Thank you all, Boo Thanks, so much for listening. And, Lily, do you have anything to close the episode with before we start on the socials? Uh, be careful, because owls have legs. <laughs> you can never run away from an owl, and you can never fly away from an owl. Just yeah, know right? that. I'm telling you, that uh, owls can fly and run at the same time, and that is terrifying. That is such a power move, though. Good for owls, but also scary as hell for the rest of us. <laughs> All right, guys, before we start with the socials, I just want to add thank you so much to everyone that has been rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you haven't, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts now, rate us five stars, review us. If you aren't listening on there, no big deal. If you could screenshot your episode, share it wherever you have social media, anything. It really does help us, um, and it takes less than two minutes to do all of that. So little goes a long way when it comes to uh, shouting us out, promotion, um, just, you know, getting the word out. So if you want, you can totally follow us on Instagram at Just Coolie Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter, JGT Podcast. Facebook like page, Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Facebook private group, Just Ghouly Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon, Just Ghouly Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience they'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at Just Ghouly Things Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to Boo tomorrow. Goodbye. Bye.